Hey y'all, this is Tamara Andres, the founder of Founder Collective, and I'm so excited to be here with you guys today to share you um, some insight, some background, some BTS behind the scenes of FounderCon 2023 as we are gearing up for everything FounderCon 2024. And I want to give you a sneak peek. I want you guys to see what's actually happening there. What kind of conversations are we having? What rich um, sustenance is coming out of it so that you can squeeze wisdom from all of the speakers and all of the teachers and all of the trainers as well as the audience. And today's conversation was all from our panel of mental health experts and people who have walked through that as entrepreneurs. Whether they're an expert or not, uh, we've all walked through it. And so I hope that this blesses you. I hope that you get some fuel to your fire and I hope that it unlocks you as well. And to know that there's going to be more amazing panels like this at FounderCon 2024. So be sure to mark your calendars for November 7th through the 9th, 2024, location TBD, to be determined. We hope to see you guys there. It's going to be amazing. Are you deprived, perhaps discombobulated, maybe even distracted? You want more from life, from relationships, from God. Whether you're in a season searching for purpose or perhaps know your purpose but feeling lackluster or lost in the execution of it, this podcast was created for you. In fact, this isn't just a podcast, it's a movement, and we're on a mission to find the lost, welcome them in, and launch them into their greatest destiny, fully found in Him and founded on the rock. This is a table for a multitude of marketplace ministers to come together for fresh revelation, resources, and revival. Get ready to catch the fire and live fully free, fully found. This is the Founder Collective. We're gonna talk about some mental health miracles momentarily. All right, I'm so excited to have you guys out here. Mainly because I was just at a round table and I still am seeing tears fill up in people's eyes. And it's not necessarily because there's been tons of tears of joy, right? So many tears of joy. Can you hoot and holler if that's been you? Like, woo, let's go. But there's also been tears of fear. There's been tears of sadness. There's been tears of um, unmet expectations, And this is things that you guys have walked through. I mean, everybody has, but you guys have done it in a pretty profound way. And so I want to hear individually about, first introduce yourself, but why why are you on a mental health panel? Hi, I'm Brittany Stinson. Uh, I'm actually on this panel today because I'm married to someone who has overcome suicidal ideations and actually attempted suicide multiple times and was diagnosed with chronic depression and still, but God, has built our our family and our life and followed God. And so the journey of being married to someone when I myself don't have all those same struggles has been really challenging and I've learned the hard way on how to uh, manage that and, and be with someone like that and still build a life of faith and joy and fun. And um, so that's what I'm here to be able to share with you today. And I am Dr. Justin Mosley. I am the mindset doctor. And for some of the people I shared at my round table is you're powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. So for me, I became the mindset doctor because I had my own struggles. I struggled with low self-esteem, anxiety, depression, all the things that I had to overcome, now I get to help people through that. And I was actually speaking at a mastermind group, actually one of Mike's masterminds, and a guy was like, dude, you're the mindset doctor. And I was like, hey, I like that, I'm gonna run with it. So it became a brand, but it's because I had to overcome the things myself. 
My name is Dane for anyone who's tuning in for the first time in person or virtual. <laughs> and um, I'm on this panel, I would say, just because of my battle with mental health. I was healed from bipolar disorder one, which technically has no cure. And uh, I'm just here to share that story and testimony with more people to help them believe that with Jesus, he can heal you of anything. He is a miracle worker. He is a big God. And he is still involved in this process, even if you're going through it right now. Uh, hi, my name is Rudy Ricksteins. I'm here for two reasons. One, because uh, Tamara phoned me and asked me to be here. And I want to say thank you for putting this on because it is incredible and is life-changing. Without you, we wouldn't be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we can do that. We can totally do that. The, uh, the second reason I'm here is I support people to tap back into the power of who they are. We're preconditioned to be who we are based on a formula that was given to us under the age of seven. And my job is to remind 8 billion people that we are powerful, creative beings that can have and be and do anything, and we just need to change how we were feeling lost. So, so good. So good. Um, I'm, whoa. I'm Morgan Hart. Um, I'm here because I went through a really dark season of my life where um, suicidal ideation, depression, anxiety, all of that stuff, um, where it came from seconds to taking my own life. But thank goodness for my father who uh, came in and rescued me. Um, and so I'm here just to talk about the stigmatism of the shame and the um, just hurt that goes along with all that stuff and how we feel that we're not um, strong enough to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And that's inside of the church as a pastor, right? Which I think is so wild. So I'd love to just like kind of cue you up with the next question because I think in the the condemnation that can take place associated to that, we often will just put on that coat and put on that smile and go back into church, which is supposed to be the safe place, is supposed to be the sanctuary. How, since you've stepped out of that particular church and you and Anthony now, um, mother and father, a home, how has that been with creating space for people to not have that same religiosity in your specific church? Yeah, so the church we came out of, it, it was an amazing, and it, they gave us so many opportunities that uh, we would not have had without them, And but it was such a, a place of uh, pastor and wife, and so I was in that role, but I felt so shut down and didn't have a voice, and so now I feel like with the church, and it really honestly led me into my season of depression, and I mean, I was a pastor. I was uh, children's pastor, and I did all the things and walked into church every Sunday and literally would go home the rest of the week and curl up in my bed because, and I, I played the part very well, and nobody really knew what was going on. But now with our church, we teach people like, Anthony always puts it so well, he's like, he says, I don't just parent my home. My wife and I, we parent together, and we treat our church as that as well, and we show them that women just have just as much of a voice in a church as uh, men do, and so we just cultivate that culture of uh, unity and togetherness, and we do everything together, which has been um, life-changing for me, for sure. It's so good. It's amazing to watch, and you can see that in the vocalization of just even allowing people to speak during service, you guys. Like, literally, they allow people to stand up and share what's on their heart, what the Holy Spirit is doing in that moment. It's pretty profound. Um, and I think the voice is connected so much to mental health, and often it's the inner voice. And so I'd love for you guys to share, like, what are some of those inner voices that you might still even battle with? Because let's be honest, as I said with the tears, like, people still deal with imposter syndrome. 
people still still deal with um, lack of confidence or did I make this dream up or was this God? We are constantly here because the enemy is constantly here. And so I want to hear your tactics. I want to hear your expertise, but I also want you guys to be honest and like, what are those kind of like mental battles that you deal with or Daryl dealt with? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Just speaking from someone. So I was watching him build his, our business, build his business and go and speak. And actually we were in full-time ministry for six years. And so to watch someone go and pray for people and preach and, and write and do all these things and then come home and then have days, like you said, like you can't get out of bed and you feel like there's just, it's, it's literally like moving through quicksand. And I would watch him. And in the beginning of our marriage, I would think like, can't he just be happy? Like, can't you just decide to be happy? And I would get so frustrated with him because it was like, hey, this is like, this is really hard to deal with you when we have like things to go and do. And I genuinely thought it was a decision that he was not making. And I feel horrible saying that now. And God has given me insight now, but I would, I would sit there and I would pray over him and I would just speak life over him when I wasn't in, in that like blaming phase, but I would personalize so much of it. And I would think, well, that I would even like in his depressive episode, I would say like, well, what did I do? What did I do? And I just kept getting in this like all about me phase. And it was like, he really just needed someone to hold space and not blame and understand that it's not a choice that he was making. So back to your question, like if you're in that space and you're having all of these thoughts, it's like, understand you're not making that choice to stay there. You're genuinely in a disease. You're under an attack. You're dealing with things that you're not making that choice. And so to come alongside someone, have that compassion and say, like, if they would get out of it, if they could get out of it, they would. And they just are waiting on the, on the light to come through all the mud and just hold space for them until they're able to do that. So who wants to be honest and say you've had those voices in your head? So you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, you can't do this, you're not alone. That's the, one of the biggest things to realize is we all feel that. We all continue to feel that. And I, number one, you've got to hold every thought captive. The word tells us hold every thought captive. What if we truly did that? Every thought coming into our head, we actually said, is this from God or is this the enemy? The things that we say to ourselves, we would never say to someone else. Yeah. And it happens to us all. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to work with seven, eight, even nine-figure entrepreneurs. They all have those voices. The question is, are you going to let those voices stop you? And the hardest part is realizing it's in your own head. It's made up. And it's not something that you can just overcome on your own unless you become conscious, become aware that this is stopping me. So that's where you have to bring it into awareness. Rudy talked about most of the time we're unconscious. We're walking through our day just living it, and when the, the tape starts to play in our own head, and we start to believe it over time. And I truly believe that most people don't get what they want in life because of the story they keep telling themselves of why they can't have it. So we got to create a new story of what you can do. And the problem is most people believe that the past equals the future. All the times that I failed, hey, you're going to fail again. And say you fail today and your, your mind says, you know what? That's proof. That's proof. You can't do it. I told you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have tried that. 
But the past doesn't have to equal the future. But it will if you let it. So I want you to shift it today and say, no longer is my past equaling my future. I'm declaring a new future. And God is guiding every single step. And he's going to guide my thoughts. And I'm going to become aware and I'm going to hold every thought captive. And I'm going to be able to discern, is this from God or is this the enemy? And when you can discern that and you can realize, hey, this is just a story. And you kind of zoom back and say, hey, this is just made up. And then you can determine what's real. And it all comes down to belief. If we truly believed in ourselves, we could accomplish so much more. Like if you believed in yourself as much as God believed in you, imagine what you can accomplish. And I want to make this real. Like think of somebody you truly believe in. I think of Tamara. Like she's created this amazing event with all the partners and the, the people here that made this come together. And there's probably a lot of people thinking, man, if I could only do what she did. But you truly believe in her. What if you believe in yourself as much as you believe in her? Or for anybody who has kids, your kids believe you could do anything. What if you believed in yourself as much as your kids believe in you? So start to borrow other people's belief. Borrow that belief you have in that other person and start to put it on yourself. Say, you know what, what if I could do this? And you know, when you align with God, you could do way more than you ever could do on your own. So start to align with God and borrow his belief because he's believing in you. He's ready for you to get out of your own way so he can show you what you can truly do with him. So borrow others' belief. Get rid of the stories. I like to tell people, you have to speak louder than the voices in your head because the voices are going to be there. You have to speak louder than those voices. So I still think it has to do with our thinking right, when it comes to what are the challenges you face, because we think so much all throughout our day, and even that scripture, take every thought captive and obedient to Christ. You know, in my head, being someone who was supernaturally healed, and some people understanding it, some people saying, no, you're still like this, um, I think a thought that constantly comes back, not all day, every week, just a few times throughout the year, because the enemy tries to see. And what that is is, well, what if it comes back, right? What if it comes back? And in those moments, and you can think of this for any situation, maybe you're not facing something when it comes to your mental health, but something you went through in the past that you're having a difficult time getting over. Yeah. When you really truly think about taking every thought captive and obedient to Christ, it's bringing evidence to the table based on what the word of God says, who you truly are. Yeah. So when those thoughts come to tell me, Dane, what if this comes back? It's been 10 years, you haven't taken a pill in 10 years, what if it does come back? Being like, let me tell you why that's not the case. Because this is what the word of God says for my life. I know life and death are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. I'm gonna speak his truth because my identity lies there and there alone. And you crush and you rebuke and you resist the enemy and he flees you like it says in the word. Oh, wow. And so like 15 minutes ago, we were back there and he was saying, yeah, I don't really speak a whole lot on stage and I need to work on uh, my, I'm like, damn, you improved real quick. <laughs> I want to give you something because I really want to be able to serve you. You asked a really important question, but you also asked us to attach a tool to the question. And so I want to try and give you both. The human brain is so insanely complex and yet so simple. You are producing 30,000 to 50,000 thoughts every single day. 95% of those thoughts are all unconscious. Every single one of those thoughts are producing an emotional equivalent chemical that is dumped into the body. We call it an emotion. And that goes in the body and tells the body how to respond to the thought that you had. 
So you're still thinking about the kid that stole your lunchbox, the day your parents didn't have money, or there was a fight, or somebody broke up with you, and it's happening again and again and again and again and again. And that is why somebody will wake up and they'll be depressed and they can't get out of it because the brain's already going into the default of who they used to be and how they used to feel, and you're no longer in control. When somebody walks up to you in this room and says, I've got an opportunity, man. I really enjoyed you. Let's do this. Let's get on a podcast together. And you were like, yeah, no, you didn't say no. The unconscious program that said self-protection, this could hurt your feelings is now telling you, dumping the chemical, making you feel unworthy, making you feel not enough. And it's saying, don't do that. I was invited to speak on stage with Brendan Bouchard, somebody who I have idolized because he's in my space. He's a juggernaut. He's impressive. And then they said, Rudy, do you want to speak? And I'm like, I, I'm going to go on stage after him. What am I going to say that, that, that he hasn't already said? Who do I think I am to be on the same stage as this man? Like, me? And then the very next thought was, hell yeah, I'm going to follow Brendan Bichard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that is because of, a, of an exercise. And I want you guys to write this down because it is so simple. Is it even true? Those four words are going to change your life. Is it even true? The brain is right now picking up in this room, sight, sound, smell, 10 million bits of data every single second. And it is narrowing down 10 million bits of data down to 50. 50 bits of data based on how you were feeling lost. How you were feeling lost drives where the brain's looking for information. I get invited to speak on this stage and I immediately get insecurity. What am I going to do? What am I going to say? Look at the incredible people that are there. That still happens no matter how many times I speak, no matter what I do, that thought comes up because that is a program. And then I say, is it even true that I can't get up on this stage? Is it even true that I can't add value that Brendan Bouchard didn't add? That's good. Is it even true? Yeah. And if you ask that question, you're now looking at 10 million bits of data because in that moment you snapped your brain into conscious. You're looking at 10 million bits and you can now formulate a new decision with new information. I'll leave you with this. If you had more information, could you make better decisions? Yeah. If you ask the question, is it even true? Oh yeah, I can't do that, that's gonna be bad. Well, is it even true? What if it could be something else? What if something else happened? And you start looking at possibility. When you look at possibility, now you're talking about everything that's available to you. Ask the question, change the information, and you'll change the decision-making process in your brain. <laughs> you want me to go after that? Well, I don't even remember the question, so I'm just gonna go with what God has given me at the moment. Um, I, it goes back to what Brittany and Dr. Justin said is, um, we always feel like we're the only ones dealing with it. And that's how I felt. I felt alone, isolated, and that's the enemy's number one tool is isolation. And I felt that if I spoke about it, if I told anybody, I mean, my, y'all, my husband didn't even know I was dealing with these things. And because um, I felt like, I literally thought they were gonna lock me away. Like, take my kids away, this woman's absolutely insane. Um, and so, that's why I fight so hard for people and talk about what I went through. I mean, I, I talk about the nitty gritty of being on the bathroom floor with the razor on my wrist, literally seconds away from taking my life. And because I want people to know that they're not alone in their fight. And so many people, especially since COVID, mental health has gone skyrocketed. It's insane. And it's a, something that I don't think has had enough attention until lately, and really it's not, I don't think it has enough attention even now, um, but just showing people that they're not alone, and the thoughts in the, their minds, like, I now, because I'm the same way, I think, I'm like, well, what if I have that, what if that comes down to that point again, and then those thoughts come in, and I literally start laughing, and I'm like, not, not today, you are not coming in my mind, and I will start laughing and speak scripture over it, because it's, 
I laugh at him. I'm not even going to name him. I laugh at him because I, I know it's not because God showed me in a dream. He told me, you will never fight this battle again. Yeah. And so every time the enemy comes, I'm like, mm-mm-mm, nope, and laugh, and I walk away. But I share because I want people to know they're not alone and to not feel the shame and the disappointment that comes along with feeling that way. So good. We're going to do something a little bit different with the time that we have left with this particular panel. And uh, I want you all to have a voice to this big conversation and to be able to ask a question. All right, what are you thinking about? What's a question that you might have that you want these experts to speak to? Because you can hear it from so many different lenses here. You can raise your hand because I can see all of you. Let's go. Let's go. Jasmine. Come on up. So my question is, um, you were supernaturally healed. I'm not sure anybody else's journey. What happens to somebody who is not healed? Number one. And does that mean there's something wrong with their Christian walk? And what if they have to go on medication? Does it mean there's no faith? How do we... Um, deal with the real facts that there are some people that God just ain't going to heal. What is that person supposed to do? So first, I'll say that when it comes to my personal experience being healed, I don't consider myself an expert at all when it comes to mental health. I put myself in a position to share that story because I know the lives and the conversations it sparked and the healings that have come from it. But when it comes to someone, let's say, who's not healed and you know they're trying to figure out why not me right you were healed in the same year that it happened to you how does that happen and i look at myself and i think yes i had faith to believe that i would be healed i had people praying for me but could it have taken longer sure god works in mysterious ways that we sometimes never understand but then i've been able to meet people who have not been healed from what they've been going through but they figured out how to integrate it into their life by because Christ sits in front of it when it comes to the identity that they have with that thing. When it comes to mental health and the different disorders, it roots in us and becomes our identity. And until that can be pulled out and Christ can replace it is when the healing can, I think, truly begin, but also have the opportunity to still walk with that thing, but not have it limit your life in all the different ways that it can. So identity is huge being able to help have that person meet people who can disciple them in the nature of telling them and reminding them who they are in Christ and get them to actually believe that by not only believing it in their head, getting it in their heart, speaking it outside of their mouth every single day until that person goes, I'm, I'm not that thing. I might be that thing or my, people might see me that way, but the word of God and what it says about my life is the way, it's the truth, it is who I truly am. So I think it's an identity thing rooted in someone pulling out that thing that they've been called by the world as and really adopting who they are as a child, a brother and sister, a child of God, right? A child of God. And I, I would say too, the thing I think, one thing, the last thing I'll uh, share with you, you guys can share your opinions too on this is when this happened to me, I never thought this was going to be my life for the rest of my life. Even though I was scared, I felt like God had left me. I had opened up doors that God never wanted to come into my life. And there is something with that. We live in a spiritual world, right? Our, our, our fight is not against flesh and blood. 
It's against spiritual things. And I brought that into my life at a time where I didn't understand my authority as a believer. So God let me walk through it, but he was with me the entire time. I made it hard on myself. Once I remembered that I had authority and I took that back and I realized that this isn't gonna be me forever, I was able to move through that. And I believe that is the reason he was able to supernaturally move in such a short period of time. I wanna, I wanna add some context to something because I think that the most important words of this entire conference were just spoken here. And, and they really are profound. And I wanna tell you a really quick story. Oprah Winfrey, we all know her. She struggled with weight loss or has struggled with weight loss her entire career, her public career. And she always saw herself, these are her words, not mine. I'm being very clear here. She saw herself as a fat person. And so she would go to all these people to help her to lose weight, to help her to lose weight, to help her to lose weight. And she would lose drastic amounts of weight and then they would come right back and they would come right back. And so she started working with this guy recently, neuroscientist, brilliant guy. And then she starts to do this work and then the weight falls off and the weight falls off and the weight stays off. She stops working with him and the weight stays off. And somebody says, Oprah, what did he do? What did he do? He says, he told me to stop seeing myself as a fat person. If you look at yourself as sick, you will stay sick. If you look at yourself as unworthy, you will stay unworthy. If you see yourself as love and abundant and joyful, you will be that. And that is literally what he said. I have been in a room where I have watched six people who suffered with debilitating diseases who could not walk. They had ALS and different kinds of diseases, had not walked in years, climb out of wheelchairs and walk. A woman on stage with 12 tumors inside of five days, heal, no tumors in her body. You can also have some power and control in your life experience because that power and that force is flowing to you and through you, it is you. Take some of your power and say, I'm gonna create who I'm gonna be and how I'm gonna show up and be it now, even when the evidence isn't physically around you. Because if you feel it and you believe it, you're going to become it, I promise you. You can tap into that and be anything, anything, and that's healthy, skinny, abundant, joyful, loved, whatever. Yeah, so good. So good. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, One, Jesus works through therapy. Yes. Two, Jesus works through medicine. Yes. Good. Yep. Uh, and if anyone has ever told you or whoever you may be asking the question for that it's simply because of a lack of faith, maybe they were well intended, but I, I just don't think our God works that way. I don't think that our loving Heavenly Father is holding something back. He's holding back a cure because he's waiting for you to muster up enough faith to cure yourself. I genuinely think if that was from you, you have all of the faith in you that you need. All of the faith, all of the belief, it's in there because he's in there. And so the fullness of his faith is in there. And um, Daryl will talk about through his depression, he wrote some of his best poetry. He wrote some of his best songs. Some of his most creative moments were because he had no choice. It was either go deeper into a pit of despair or take it and channel it into something. And so although maybe they're not cured yet or whatever cured may look like, channeling that with God as his strength and his rock and using scripture in that way. But don't ever let anybody tell you you don't have enough faith because God is absolutely not holding back from you. You have everything in you that you need. The mindset of what does cured look like? Yeah. Like, is cured mean you wake up tomorrow morning and you don't have these thoughts anymore? Or is cured, that's not my identity. I may deal with this, but I'm going to walk 
and have faith that God is going to carry me through this trial. And then your life is a testimony of how you're able to step into the power of Christ, still have those whatever's going on, but it's the limiting belief of what a, mind, what a cure is. I think our human minds think of cure as being completely healed, but sometimes I think it's also walking in that authority in what you're dealing with, but still walking with Christ. I think that is just a testimony of the connection point to the fact that we live in a body that is ailing. We live in a short period of time connected to eternity, and we are going, he says, going to, not if, maybe, not, not the Christian, not my child. No, he says we are going to face hardships and battles. And that is what enables you to speak life into the others, especially the generations that are just like literally, they're dying like, that's not a lie. And they're crying out by cutting. They're crying out because they want to be seen and known and loved. And that is what and who our Father is. And you know that. And so my thought to that is just, it's not going to be something taken away because God is going to use it for his miraculous power. And so it takes the courage, it takes the boldness, it takes the bravery of stepping past that momentary thought and making sure that we're not idolizing those labels. Because I think that's what will trap us in to not walking out that fullness of identity because we are holding on to the title as the idol. Don't hold your titles as the idol. Yeah, so in Mark chapter 9, the man says to Jesus, if you could, could you heal my son? And then Jesus says, what do you mean if? All things are possible to he who believes. And he says, I do believe, Lord. Help me with my little faith. So I think it's combining our level of faith and our belief, as they're talking about, because I, I've got a friend and a mentor who he's an evangelist all over the world. And he preaches in India and Pakistan and goes into these countries where Christianity is not allowed. And they'll have hundreds of thousands of people in a field give their life to Christ. And he sees the deaf hear, the mute speak, limbs grow. He's seen eight people raised from the dead. And I asked him, I was like, how do you see all of that in one night at one of these events? And we don't see those kind of things happening here. And we do see it, but not at that level. And he said, they have such belief. When they give their life to Christ, they believe it. And when they believe it, they see the miracles happen right there before their eyes. So that's one is I would challenge the level of belief. Do we truly believe what it says it says about us? Do we believe it's true? We know it's true, but do we believe, yeah, it's true for somebody else. They could heal, but not me because we're believing that old program of, no, this is, I've accepted my disease. I've accepted this is who I am. I've accepted I'm a fat person or I'm this or that. I've accepted that. Even though I believe I can change, my identity's rooted there. So really trying to dive into where is my level of faith? She just said, your faith is in you, but what about your mind? Do you truly believe it? And I think that's what it comes down to is where is your mind when it comes to your level of healing? I was thinking of two different people biblically, um, one being Jacob. And when his name was shifted to Israel, he forever had a limp. Maybe it's your limp. Maybe it's your limp. The second person is... um, going to go away from me. Oh, little James. Did you, have you guys watched The Chosen with this particular episode where he also has a limp and he is like so upset on the disciples are being sent out. He's like, you're expecting me to go and keep pace with him, but I have a limp. 
And Jesus is literally looking to him and saying, it's a gift. But he said, and he asked the question, like, why aren't you healing me? And he said, I have healed you, son. You are fully healed. You are mine. And yet, now you have something as a witness. It bears witness to what you're doing. You guys all didn't see this, but there was this incredible musician who had, um, deals with cerebral palsy who is here, and he has, I think, did I say that right? So, I think so. Anyway, okay. He, um, is, he's lost all of the momentum in his leg, and he's walking on a crutch, and he is playing worship music, and he is saying yes to God. He's been playing since he was four, in spite of, and he is about to take the nation by storm with this worship music, and it's just the knowing that he will use those things, and that might be the very thing, the very reason in which the Lord is able to give him a limelight because he looks different, because he walks different, but he still has the same authority and dominion as the person that you might perceive is healed. So I love everything that you guys just said. We have a couple more minutes, and I just want to ask, is there anything, yeah, that you guys are holding to? So what Morgan said was so important is, what does cured look like? When I was healed, I did not go back to the psychiatrist to see, can you put... Um, the things on my brain again, give me, a brain map, give me a brain map and give me evidence that I'm cured. I supernaturally was healed because of feeling the presence of God move that thing off my life. So I don't even know. We could go to the psychiatrist after this. I could get a test and they could tell me one of two things. Your brain is perfectly fine. Oh my gosh, it's a miracle, which is a powerful testimony. But do you know what is just as powerful? You are exactly the same as you were when this happened. Because then I can tell someone, I overcame it through him. Yeah. Let's go. And I, don't, I can't think of a better way for us to actually move into worship and invite those who might be dealing with something heavy, who might be feeling that weight of depression or anxiety or that, whatever that thing is that you feel like you can't or haven't or God won't heal you from. And I want to just invite my friends who are anointed in the ministry of healing to the front um, to be able to support these people as we walk into worship together. Anthony's going to come out as we move the chairs, but I love you guys. I'm so grateful, and I feel like this was a beautiful invitation to a culmination of this event. Thank you, guys. All right, quick interruption, but actually it's not really an interruption. It's an invitation. It's an invitation for you to come deeper not just be a podcast listener that we really never get to interact with, but be a part of the family. Be a part of the foundation of what the Founder Collective is heart premised on. And that's Ephesians 2.19, that we are found in Him, that we are a family and operating as one on the foundation of Christ with Him as our chief CEO, our chief cornerstone. And what does that look like? How can you come in further? Well, we have a weekly Founder Collective call. That's a Zoom call. We'd love for you to be a part of it. It's open conversation, similar to how we have this podcast, talking about business practices and truth principles and how we're actually living a life on purpose and in the presence of God consistently. Additionally, we're inviting you to our annual conference. You can go to thefoundercon.com. Again, that's thefoundercon.com. And you'll get to hear people like Jay worship and teach and share from his testimony. Anthony, Pastor Anthony, the bearded wonder. <laughs> He's going to come to you with his fiery flaming shoes and his voice and the belly. The fire that's within his belly comes out in such a dynamic way when it's on stage. Myself, my team, and all the incredible people who are part of this family. It's not just us. 
And we want you to be in on the us because we want to make way for your message, for your movement to be known and to be equipped and to also be resourced. We love sharing resources, which is what we do in that weekly call. So you're invited. You're invited. Come one, come all to all the things. If you need more information, I'm sure wherever you're listening to this or seeing this, you can get it in the link. So look, go a little deeper, go a little further into what God is calling you into. This is a summoning. This is a call. This is a roundup for you to also be fully founded in him as a founder in the Founder Collective. This is the Founder Collective.